is 2002. You woke up early on a Saturday morning to watch your favorite cartoons. You know that you don't have anything you have to do today. So after cartoons, you can boot up your bulky PS2 and play some of your favorite games. You've got an array of great games to choose from. Crazy Taxi, Gauntlet Dart Legacy, Final Fantasy X, Devil May Cry, Ico, Guilty Gear, Grand Theft Auto 3, Ace Combat 4, Burnout, and so many more. Gleefully anticipating the day ahead of you, you sit down with a bowl of sugary cereal to your morning cartoons. Then, everything changes. You see on the TV, you never know who you'll meet next. Images of 3D Disney villains and iconic worlds and moments in some of your favorite Disney movies show on the screen. You also see this weird-looking kid in a red jumpsuit. Next to him, standing and sometimes floating, are Donald, Duck, and Goofy. Then, you see the game announcement. Kingdom Hearts, from Disney and Squaresoft. Your young adolescent mind doesn't know how to properly handle this new information. Final Fantasy is one of your favorite game series, and it's made by Squaresoft. Who doesn't know and love Disney movies? And now, somehow, these two monolithic entities are coming together in video game form. As your mind begins to melt, trying to figure out what to do next, you finally burst into action, running to get a pen and paper, or to scream in excitement at your parents, or any number of things to make sure that when that game comes out, it will be yours. Okay, so maybe that's not the exact story of every person who was growing up when Kingdom Hearts was first announced, but it is pretty likely that it is similar to a lot of people's experiences. You know, nowadays, Kingdom Hearts is a relatively commonplace entity, and the idea of Disney and Square, now Enix, uh, coming together and making that game is just, yeah, it happened. It is what it is. It exists. But when it first came out, I mean, that is truly mind-blowing, especially considering that almost 20 years later, we have not only that first game, it didn't flop, it wasn't a one-hit wonder or, you know, failure. No, we have 12 games all in the main canon of the story, each with unique gameplay, story conventions, Disney worlds, all contributing to a greater overarching story that is neither Final Fantasy nor Disney, but its own niche little, well, very large, sometimes confusing story. Not only that, but several of those dozen games have had re-releases with added content, cleaned up mechanics, complete remasters, or even remade from the ground up. Recently, Reflections on Gaming, us, started a journey to play through each and every Kingdom Hearts game and look at what managed to make them into the franchise heavy hitter they are today. With that in mind, having just completed Kingdom Hearts Final Mix on our Twitch stream, the re-released edition of the very first game on the PS4, we want to start that discussion and dissection. We are Reflections on Gaming. I'm Weston. And I'm Jordan. So today, Reflections on Gaming is going to discuss in depth everything we can about Kingdom Hearts Final Mix. The story, the gameplay, the side content, the post-game content, the art direction, and everything in between. Before getting into the review itself, though, we feel we need to explain the context of our specific enjoyment of this game and of this series. Each person uh, has personal biases, so by explaining where this review is coming from from us personally, we're hoping that we can kind of contextualize where this review is coming from. We, in no way, shape, or form, uh, want to make this review an empirical study of the game because it's it's not really possible to do that um, objectively. So instead, we want to give you context of where this review is coming from, and uh, hopefully that can that can uh, inform what we're going to be saying next. That's right. So my experience with Kingdom Hearts started. Um, I mean. I guess technically it started around when it came out because I was alive, but I certainly don't remember it because I was four. Um, but I do remember growing up and having it in the house and watching my older siblings play through it. And I was always really interested. Um, 
Kingdom Hearts is not an easy game, and I wasn't exactly the best at games for a long, long time. So I gave it a shot when I was younger, but in the end, never really got into the game and never beat Kingdom Hearts. In fact, the first time I beat the first original Kingdom Hearts was this final mix. Uh, not this time we played, but a little less than a year ago. Um, but I have played Kingdom Hearts 2 and a number of the other games and beaten them before I ever even beat the first game. So coming back to Kingdom Hearts 1 was a really interesting experience, not only because of the nostalgia factor of growing up and watching it be played, but also the, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, you come to it from later entries in the franchise and that had definitely colored my vision of what I thought Kingdom Hearts was. And a lot of those things are not present in the first game. And we'll talk about that a little more, uh, later on, but just know that I came into the first game without, uh, w with knowledge of what was going to come later, which, uh, you know, inevitably affects my view of it. Yeah, for me, um, that experience was not my own. <laughs> the little blurb that we started this with. Uh, I actually didn't know about the game until a couple of months afterwards. I heard it from um, some people that I uh, ha hung out with every now and again. Um, one of them happened to have Kingdom Hearts and was just kind of talking about how it was this really cool thing. And there's all this stuff going on. And I'm like, that's super cool. I should check that out. And uh, I honestly don't remember exactly how I got my hands on it, <clears throat> but I eventually did, uh, and I played it, and I probably had a fairly bog-standard experience, what most people had, uh, which is that I made it through the majority of the game, got to Hollow Bastion, uh, got my head beat in by Riku again and again and again, uh, hardly ever used magic because I'm like, I don't need no magic. I All I need is cure. Cure is life. Cure, cure is the only thing I need, and anyone who uses magic for anything else is an idiot. Um, finally managed to beat Riku with uh, some luck and Ars Arcanum and all that good stuff. Managed to go on to complete the game. Heard that you could get a secret movie uh, f f at the end for, you know, completing some stuff. So I'm like, yeah, let me, let me try that. Uh, did. Got hyped out of my mind with that amazing post-credit scene movie. Uh, and after that, every time a Kingdom Hearts game came out, I got the game and I played it and I f finished it. And, uh, yeah, I can honestly say that going back to it in this more recent playthrough, uh, with the final mix version was really interesting because it's mostly what I remember with some cleanup to make that memory that I have, you know, a little bit more accurate than what it actually was. Uh, but at the same time, there's a bunch of things that I that I experienced that I was like, wow, this is much clunkier and much slower than I thought it was, especially based on just how fluid and natural the games feel so many years later. So with that uh, kind of context of where we came from, both of us, big fans of the series, played every single game or almost every single game. Um, you know, we very much enjoy these games, very much enjoy this series. But we are not going to say that this game is perfect. We're not going to um, be shy in critiquing it. Uh, but just recognize that we are fans of this. So, you know, in the end, we're probably going to say, yeah, this is a must play. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And that goes for, I mean, we're going to do the whole series. But just like as a series, that that's pretty true. And Game Hearts 1 is a great, a great starting point for that. So let's dive into our <laughs> we should have saved that for dream drop distance anyway let's dive into our discussion of the first game and our analysis of its different systems by just kind of giving our overall impressions um one thing that was surprising to me was i definitely thought kingdom hearts was longer than it turned out to be it didn't really take us that long what was it 15 hours yeah probably closer to 16 hours 16 yeah, hours about that and to be fair we did not we we didn't go into it with a completionist mindset we didn't even finish all the winnie the pooh stuff uh we didn't finish jiminy's journal we didn't do every single coliseum match but we did some side content i mean we did almost all the Coliseum. we did almost that's There's only two that we didn't do and they're the super bosses that you got to be high level to to even try right it's not like like we didn't go fight sephiroth but we did all the main story content and we did 
quite a bit of side content. So all in all, even if you were to do every single extra thing, it's in RPG terms, really not that long of a game. Well, actually bringing that up, it's, it's uh, interesting. I tend to personally uh, finish games very quickly. Uh, there is a website called How Long to Beat, and it's a aggregation site that um, users just post, I played this game, this is how long it took me to beat the main campaign, this is how long it took to do the side content, this is how long it did to 100% complete the game, blah, 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 blah. Um, depending on the game, there are a whole bunch of people uh, who, who put their numbers in for it. Uh, sometimes they're really accurate, sometimes they're not, and usually it's based on, you know, just what you can remember. Um, so it's not the most accurate site, but generally you can kind of get a feeling of how people, how long it takes people to finish these games. I usually finish it in half the time, um, that it usually says. Sometimes it's not quite that, uh, quick. Like when I played Persona 5, it probably took me a couple hours extra, but that's a really long game anyway, so... <laughs> like, so long. What do you expect? Uh, in any case, Kingdom Hearts Final Mix has uh, currently on that site a completion time of just the main game of about 35 hours. What? Yeah. Holy crap, I did not look at that. Yeah, so so depending on how accurate that is, uh, we actually finished it much more quickly than you might anticipate uh, which is surprising to me because we actually died a number of times. Yeah, it's not like we were uh, blazing through the game or anything. Well, except it appears that we were. Though we did skip, we did skip a lot of cutscenes. So there is that's that at true, least. That's true, but I'm not sure that ties into the overall game timer. I guess that's and it something... definitely would have been 20 hours worth. I, I <laughs> no it way. was it, it was not 20 <laughs> hours worth. Uh, but in the end, I think that it's just the game seemed much longer growing up both because games tended to not be quite as long, uh, especially action RPG-style games tended not to be quite that long, and also with the lower skill, uh, it did take us longer. Uh, but it is interesting playing it more recently that we finished it in you know 16 hours, and it's like, oh, it's not like we were rushing, and you know we also weren't trying to get everything, but we did spend time to do the Hades Cup. And that's not required. We just were like, yeah, let's do that. Seems like fun. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's very interesting how short the game actually was compared to what we were expecting. I think that's one of the things uh, for me going through it. One of the most striking things and why I think it felt shorter. Not only was it relatively short in our playthrough, but it just feels shorter is because in later Kingdom Hearts games, you go through most of the worlds uh, at least twice. In Birth by Sleep, you go through them three times each. In Kingdom Hearts 1, you go through each one a single time, and that's it. Um, with a couple of accessions of going back to Traverse Town, and you can go back to the Coliseum to finish some more cups. But and, for the most and part... And you have to go back to Hollow Bastion. And you have to go back to Hollow Bastion. But for the most part, all the Dis uh, almost all the Disney worlds you go through one time, and they're relatively short. A couple of them are, like, five rooms, and that's it, and then you're done. Um, especially the earlier worlds. So, I think that was one thing that just stood out to me. I don't think it really says anything about the quality of the game, but it does make sense that a lot of the worlds are more shallow, and they just really clip through the story, because this was an experiment. This game was completely experimental in its concept. Um, and... Later on, once it was a little more established, they made the worlds last longer and made you revisit them a few more times. So, Yeah, I think it's interesting because you could potentially chalk that up to bloat. Uh, and depending on what side of the fan base you're on, um, you could either be a fan of that bloat or not a fan of that bloat. And what I mean is that uh, in later entries, there is a tendency to have a bigger focus on the... Um, overall story the kind of final fantasy aspects of the game as opposed to the disney aspects uh personally i am a big fan of that i have never been a big fan of just kind of rehashing a movie a disney movie with you know a couple of changes to fit in sora and company um 
mostly because if I wanted to watch the movies, I would instead of like watching a real watered down crappy version in a video game. Um, but uh, it is interesting just how little coupling there is of the story. Uh, essentially, the story plays out exactly how you'd expect with one twist. Uh, and that twist is the princess of heart being taken away, uh, which is interesting because, you know, it's it's very much kind of the formula for Kingdom Hearts. But I just didn't realize how little coupling there was in this story. Like the the only reason uh, anything feels coherent is because you're fighting heartless in every world. And every now and again, you get a little cutscene of the villains and their little cabal being like, <laughs> Keyholes, we're hearts, doing bad things, evil. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's it's a very different storytelling method um, than any of the other games. And none except for Ansem, none of the villains are unique, whereas in every other Kingdom Hearts game, the main villains are these made-up villains. And the only side villains you have are Pete and um, Maleficent. Maleficent. Yeah, huh? And sometimes world-specific villains. But, like, the overarching villains are these other people. Uh, and personally, I like that. I never... Because of the way that Disney builds itself and has done those Disney movies, except for perhaps Maleficent, none of the villains really feel like they could take on the roles that that these other new characters are taking on. Um, you know, I don't feel like these Disney villains are in a position where I can believably think of them as actually being a scary threat. I think that's because, with the exception of Maleficent, who does have um, motivations outside of her established motivations from the movies that she appears in, Every other villain is tied to their initial motivation. Yeah, Jafar is working with Maleficent, but he still just wants to become a genie. Yeah, Oogie Boogie is working alongside Maleficent, but he still just wants to ruin Jack Skellington's day. That's why he's doing what he's doing. He doesn't really care about anything else, and the same is true for all those other Disney villains. They're just... They're still focused on what they're focused on in the movies, whereas the new villains, you know, Organization 13 and uh, others, are able to be outside of that because they are original characters that are just within the Kingdom Hearts mythos. Uh, they can they can care about things that matter in the Kingdom Hearts side of things rather than the Disney side of things. Yeah, so I just say overall, I feel like the game really picks up at the end. The beginning is really, really solid. It's always interesting. You know, obviously the beginning is a little bit of a slow start. They always have a bit of a slow start, uh, some slower than others. But it's interesting because you're learning all these new people. Uh, you're learning about this new world. It's all very new and interesting. Then you get thrown into the Disney world. And if you are someone who has actually watched those movies, it's very familiar. But then you get to Hollow Bastion and everything is new again. And they're throwing new lore and, and these interesting twists. And it felt much more exciting to me, the beginning and the end, than anything in between. Uh, and even though I love some of the worlds, I love Monstro. I know some people hate it because of the weird rooms, but I just love the Riku portions and just the way that it's kind of designed. Uh, I also love, um, Halloween Town. It's fun to give Jack a spin of like, he's creating Heartless to be part of his spooky show. And then he go and beat up Oogie Boogie and he turns into his mansion. Like there's a lot of fun stuff in there. But story-wise and, and kind of interest-wise, it's the beginning of the story and it's the end of the story that really hold my attention and make me think, yeah, I want more of that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think one thing, before we get too far into this, I realized we should probably talk a little bit about we played the Final Mix version, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are maybe coming from the uh, perspective of somebody who played the original or is only familiar with the original PlayStation 2 release. Um, or perhaps the opposite, have played Final Mix and don't know the differences between it and the original. Right. Uh, both of us have played both versions. So uh, most of the changes that were made are quality of life. Um, there's 
essentially no story changes whatsoever. As far as I know, there are zero story changes. Yeah. Um, one of the nicest things is that uh, they started they integrated reaction commands in a small way from the second game onward. Okay, so Final Mix actually came out in Japan before any other game. So that is where reaction commands originated. So then they got rid of them for the for for the American release? No, no, no. They released the original game, then Final, Final Mix, Mix came out later, but only in Japan. Right. So that is where the uh, reaction command was introduced, and obviously they expanded on that quite a bit. Um, but it just means you can press triangle to open chests, activate um, certain kind of group commands like our or special commands like sonic blade or ours arcanum well essentially every single thing that used to be that is done currently with a reaction command used to be done by changing out the bottom element of your quick select menu so if you wanted to open a chest if you wanted to talk to someone if you wanted to uh, activate any of your special abilities if you wanted to do trinity if you wanted to do anything you had to press up on the d-pad to select the bottom command and then hit x and at the time it came out in the u.s that wasn't a big deal because it felt very much like an rpg and rpgs sometimes have those kind of esoteric uh, menuing systems but if that is the version that had continued to today, it would be severely dated and much more difficult for people to get back into than it is now. And there are still some issues in the game that make it hard to go back to, but that reaction command um, change really makes it much, much nicer to get back to. Um, the other changes, biggest changes uh, that at least I am aware of are several palette swaps of enemies uh, and that's mostly just a visual distinction. There, it, it does not make any gameplay changes. Uh, the only reason they made those changes is apparently because they wanted to make the game more visually distinct. Um, and they added some content. The biggest thing being um, several special mushrooms uh, in specific locations and a special final boss um, that isn't available in any other version. It is the hooded figure uh, who you actually learn who that is later on. And it's really interesting as someone who in the U.S. never had access to the final mix version of the game, finding out that the plot line that is revealed uh, to people in Dream Drop Distance, you know, years after the first game, was actually planned all the way back in the original, in the original game uh, is amazing. Like, wow, did not see that coming. <laughs> Yeah, especially because there's, like, uh, other than that, exactly zero foreshadowing for all the crap that's going to happen. Um, yeah, there's a couple of different uh, graphics, like the title screen has changed. There's some new difficulties. But, uh, again, most of the changes that any normal player would encounter on a regular playthrough are purely quality of life and barely at that. Um, so that being said... Generally, before we talk more specifics, generally, now revisiting it so much later, how good do you think the game is compared to how you remember it from uh, the first couple times you played through it? For me, I think the game as a whole holds up pretty well, but the specific combat mechanics are much more dated than I thought they would be. And probably the biggest thing um, is twofold. One, enemy tracking is not nearly as good as it became later in the series. And two, the wind-up to attacks is so much longer than I remember it being. And that's definitely because in, in newer games, there is no wind-up. Um, but I just forgot that it was such a pain in the butt to actually initiate your combo. Uh, and even when you become extremely powerful later on in the game, your first swing is like a Dark Souls swing. It is so slow. And if you get hit uh, before your swing lands, you get knocked out of it. So that was very jarring. Did not age well. Not a fan. Uh, so the combat mechanics 
didn't hold up as well as I thought they would, but most everything else held up about uh, as I remembered it. Yeah, same for me. I, uh, growing up, thought the game looked really good, and the first couple times I played it, I thought it felt really good. But again, going from older or from the from the newer games to the first game, it is very clear um, that the combat and the platforming and just movement in general definitely uh, needed an overhaul, and and thankfully got it because yeah all the things that Jordan said are true you just feel like a tank sometimes and by the end of the game you're mostly just jumping and swinging because it's so much faster than trying to swing on the ground so yeah <laughs> yeah so with that kind of generality uh, out of the way let's talk some specifics we've already touched on all of these um topics but let's kind of delve into it and uh get into some of the nitty-gritty so we'll start with talking about how well the story was actually told. Uh, this is obviously going to be very subjective uh, and depends a lot on what portions of the story you personally enjoy. As previously stated, I personally enjoy the non-Disney portions, and I think that they were actually told really well. Like, the way the story is presented to you is very interesting. All of these little tidbits that are outside of these Disney worlds are like, I want to know more about this. I want to find out more. And yes, it's a little bit campy with the whole, you know, my friends are my power and it's all about the light and darkness in your heart and blah, 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 blah. But if you're willing to put up with that kind of goofy tone, um, the seriousness that you can actually get out of it is impressive. Like they really don't pull their punches in that they're literally destroying worlds and trying to wipe people out of existence and and doing these awful, terrible things um, in this, you know, quote-unquote Disney kind of game. Uh, so I think the story overall is told very well. Unfortunately, the majority of the Disney stories kind of suffer for it because they're so watered down and the majority of what you learn of those worlds is done in um, textless uh, cutscenes where you just have to read everything. Uh, not very interesting, very boring, and it's usually just the <clears throat> just the story from the movies, um, but with stuff cut out and a couple of things changed, just tweaked ever so slightly so that it makes sense that Sora and, and company are there. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the in the first game, the focus on the heart and friendship and those kinds of things hadn't outstayed its welcome yet. Um, and I think this will come up in later reviews is that I I feel that eventually it does. But in this game, it's it's OK, because that kind of is the central thesis of the game. And they're just very forward with it. They uh, they state it quite plainly for you. And uh, that's OK. I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, definitely the Disney worlds, super shallow. Uh, the Disney aspect of the game is the most shallow part of the game, which is unfortunate because I think later games do a really good job of integrating them. And then they, uh, some of them do, not all of them. Some of them do a really good job of integrating the stories. And, uh, in this one, like Jordan said, it's kind of front loaded and back loaded and the stuff in between gives you tidbits and it's done well, but, I personally feel like there could have been a little bit more appearances by, like, Riku or Maleficent or just people or maybe even Ansem before the very, very end of the game just to give you a little bit more uh, to take you along that isn't directly related to the Disney worlds. But overall, again, as a first outing experimental game in this, I think it set the stage for later games and overall... Uh, does it very well, um, especially considering the source material that they're working with. Yeah, now the big question, and this is something that comes up with the series all the time, which is how much does the story actually make? And I'm going to append onto that. How, how, how much, much sense, sense does it make yeah. to the actual target audience, right? Because this was marketed to children. That Disney at the time especially very much so was marketing all of its content at children, uh, and this is an E-rated title. 
Uh, and I'm not going to say therefore it's for children, but it, it was definitely evident that they were pushing a child-friendly slant of this game. Uh, and I think that's interesting because I don't think children are going to pick up on the story all that well. Um, they're mostly going to be pulled in by those Disney elements and the rest of the stuff is going to be fun, but I don't think it's going to capture them. It's not going to make a lot of sense, which isn't terrible, but I do think that it's a very interesting, uh, presentation that this game did where it had this very Final Fantasy kind of over-the-top story with some very evil villains trying to do bad things and a lot of complex motivations, eventually. Uh, and I'm not sure that really makes sense to kids, especially some of the things that happen in the, wor uh, in the end of the world where you go to Ansem's research facility and there's things that you can read and, and learn about, Ansem's report, all these things, that's going to fly over kids' heads. Great for people who are a little bit older who appreciate that, um, but I don't think that the story itself meshes well with necessarily with the target audience. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think, in general, this first game is one of the more straightforward in what the story is saying. Um you know, if you look at the Ansem reports and you pay really close attention to the things going on, there is more depth to it that uh, could be glossed over regardless of how old you are. Um, but <laughs> frankly, if a, if if somebody is able to get to the end of the game, they're probably not a kid because, again, not an easy game. <laughs> like, maybe they're playing on easy difficulty. I haven't played on it, so I don't know. Um, but I definitely think it is interesting how much it was marketed marketed to a younger age group because yeah i don't feel like uh really any part of the game other than the disney stuff which again is the shallowest part of the game was really made for that uh with that demographic at all in mind you know square enix i'm sure that was a well i would assume that that was more of a disney thing than a square enix thing because I don't think Square Enix had that target audience in mind when they were making uh, Destiny Islands and the end of the world and and coming up with this really grand story that they're obviously planning to extend over multiple games and get significantly more complicated as it goes. So, And, and this isn't a knock on children. Children, I think, are generally far more astute than we give them credit for. But I definitely did not pick up on these things when I was younger. Uh, and knowing some children who are playing it now, they definitely aren't picking up on it. So uh, I think it's fair to say that it's a little above their pay grade. Uh, and with that in mind, we already discussed this briefly before, uh, but is there anything you want to add to your feelings on the um, way that the Disney and original content was mixed? Um, not really. I, I just, I stand by my statement. I think it could have done more, a little bit more throughout the world's but the worlds are just so shallow and a lot of them are so short that they're totally backloaded with with story. Most of the story uh, that is a mixture of the Disney and original elements occurs um, kind of like between worlds a lot of the time. It's cutscenes after you've locked a keyhole. So, but I think with what they had, it was fine. Like, I don't need a, a story, original story cutscene every 10 minutes, but... Just a couple of times would have been, I think, better. Yeah, uh, I'd say that uh, I'm a big fan. Like, I don't want to say that the game is worse because of the Disney elements. I think the Disney elements are a big draw and have been significantly good for the series. But my favorite way uh, for them to be utilized is like how Beast was utilized in Hollow Bastion mm -hmm. or how Pinocchio was used in Monstro. I really like when they are really part of the greater story. They fit into this larger narrative. They're not this kind of side piece that happens to be part of it at the end, but not actively part of it. Uh, and of course, that's going to be very much your personal opinion of whether you think the mixture is good or not. Um, and I think that the series has fluctuate, fluctuated just massively over the different games. Um, the game that generally I think did the best job of it was Birth by Sleep, uh, and we'll get more into that once we get to that game in the series. Someday. 
Just kidding. It won't take that long. I think another, <laughs> another really subjective thing is kind of the next thing we wanted to discuss, which is what pieces of the story are the best and the worst. And again, yeah, totally. Uh, everyone's going to have different opinions about this, but for me, definitely the, the end of the game where it really comes home to roost all of the plot devices they've been weaving in all the subtle hints they've been dropping and not so subtle story things that they've been implementing when you finally get to face riku you finally understand what all the princesses of heart are being gathered for you finally come face to face with maleficent you lose the keyblade you uh spoilers for a very old game you lose the keyblade to riku (laughs) that we played on stream you turn into a freaking heartless because you have to give up you know sora has to uh Essentially, stab himself with well, the keyblade. Release he has his heart. To, he has to release the hearts that he contains, which yeah. happen to be both his and Kyrie's. And in so doing, he lets Kyrie re- <laughs> Let's be real here. A couple herself. other ones too, <laughs> but uh, we won't go into that right now. <laughs> yeah, but he also loses his corporeal form because of that. And yeah. what's really funny is that I cannot think of any reason throughout the entire series why he just manages to like get his body back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense, but it's really cool. So, so as fun as that is, that's probably the worst part in the whole game, just because in, it, it's never explained. <laughs> I just, uh, I think um, that end portion is suddenly everything is going off script. Like, for the last 10 hours of playtime, you went to a Disney World, you beat up some Heartless, you beat up the boss... And in the last two, you also had, like, a small discussion with Riku and were like, dang, he's going off the deep end. We should probably do something about that. But now, once you get to Hollow Bastion and from Hollow Bastion to the end, it's, like, not at all that way. It's completely different. It's all original story elements. Everything looks cooler. Everything in the story is starting to make a lot more sense. And the central themes of the game are becoming more obvious and relevant to the things that are going on. Um, so I just I think that that is the best, and all of the, unfortunately, the watered-down Disney worlds, at least the first parts of them that pretty much have nothing to do with the original story, don't really mix the elements very much, are, I think, the weakest part of the game. Yeah, I think um, most of the Disney worlds are merely mediocre. Uh, they're fun, they advance the story a little bit, uh, and there's nothing bad. Some of them are standouts and they're a little bit better. Monstro, um, depending on how much you like Peter Pan, the Peter Pan world. Personally, I'm very conflicted on that one because while there's a lot of original story, I hate Peter Pan and I hate Hook. Uh, (laughs) the, the characters, I think they're bumbling and I don't like anything about them. Um, but... The, the worst portion of the game, for me, is definitely the first three uh, to five worlds, being um, Alice in Wonderland, Deep Jungle, Olympus Coliseum, specifically the first time you visit, and you have to go through those dumb barrel challenges Ugh. that are super boring, but actually hard, um, the Aladdin world, and Atlantica. Um Probably of those, my least favorite is Deep Jungle. Yes. Um, specifically because it is very difficult to navigate, very slow, it's, because you have to go back and forth across the map again and again and again and again and again and is, again and again and again. It is again such a again. slog. Such so boring. Yeah. Um and and yeah, that one's probably the worst, and all the other ones are on the worst worse side of mediocre. Because there's very little of interest. And I know that they changed up the stories a little bit to fit in with the themes. But it might as well be just watching a worse version of the movies. And that's not great. But with that in mind, kind of dumping on the story, let's talk about how it might be improved. Obviously, in our opinion, one way to improve it would be to integrate the main story into those worlds more effectively. However, that's not going to make everyone happy. So an alternative way to make them better would be to just improve their stories and what you do in those stories. Alice in Wonderland is a Disney classic, and there's so many weird and crazy things that happen in it, but you only meet, like, three characters from the actual movie. 
Alice herself. Okay, four. Alice, the queen, the doorknob, and the Cheshire cat. The doorknob barely counts because who cares about the doorknob? The cat, the bunny. The queen. There's the bunny too. You but, don't really I mean, meet him. He's no, just you don't. There. Yep. Uh, the queen is there as a villain, but she, as one-dimensional as she is in the movie, she's even more so in here because you don't get her whole roses and and off with her head and all that stuff in the fun way. I think she says it, but it's just not nearly as impactful when you're reading it as when they scream it. Um, right, so you just don't get many of the interesting characters. You never meet the Mad Hatter uh, and his rabbit friend. You don't meet that crazy hookah-smoking caterpillar you never go to the house with the crazy mushrooms that make you bigger or smaller and they replace those mushrooms with pill bottles which a little dicey there you might not want to encourage kids to be eating stuff out of bottles that's not a good wow. idea i feel so much bigger now oh my gosh call 911 the cheshire <laughs> cat uh, i think is a little oddly used because he mostly talks to you like about heartless stuff and I, it just feels weird that that's he's what he does. Mo- he's mostly a device to be like, hey, this is how you get to the final boss. Right. And it's weird because <laughs> it's like he's not he's never so useful in the movie. Yeah. He, no. he just kind of like, you know, do you know where I should go? Well, where do you want to be? And it's I don't like, know. I don't doesn't know. Matter. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah. And there's, there's none of that. So like, gee, thanks. If, if they had. <laughs> and then in Tarzan, you barely get any of the story. You're there after Tarzan and Jane have been hooking up, hanging out, uh, and Clayton has already obviously shown that he's evil, but he doesn't call in the shipping crew that comes in to get the gorillas. He just turns into a heartless whatever. He just Uh, wants to kill them all. (laughs) Olympus Coliseum, you see two characters, Phil and Herc. Uh, You see Hades. And Hades, but I'm whatever. And Cloud, but obviously not a a Hercules character. (laughs) My point is that because of how watered down they are, you get through the worlds relatively quickly, Uh, And as much as I like and prefer the original story to the Disney stories, if they had focused on the Disney stories a little bit more, I think it would have been better. Uh, And this is going to come up again specifically when we talk about the third game. Uh, And you might call me a hypocrite here when we talk about it, but I will will justify myself there. Just wait. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I think that... Either way, that's would be a great way to improve the story. What about what do you think? Um Yeah, I think definitely the the worlds need to be longer. As much as I am not a fan of exclusively the Disney stuff, I'm a bigger fan of just having more things to do. Um Deep Jungle, again, seriously, such a slog. And that that one's not happens. that one's not long because there's a lot going on. It's long no, because like, it's difficult to navigate, and you don't always know where you're going there's or like where you se- need to go. There's like seven areas total, and you have to go from one end to the map of the map to the other like five times. It's yeah, um, that's not the kind of elongation we're talking about. No, I mean actually bigger maps, more characters, more depth of the story, and yeah, I think those would be good. I think, and I already talked about, you know, just more integration, a little bit more appearances from, like, I'd love to see Ansem, I'd love to see Riku more, I'd love to see Maleficent more, before Hollow Bastion, um, and before the kind of last few worlds that you visit. Uh, other than that, I think it would be a better, I mean, I think they could have done something really fun, this is kind of going off the rails here, but with the whole Kyrie thing, when, when... Sora's a heartless. Um, it would have been great if Kyrie had got to use the Keyblade a little bit as a little bit of foreshadowing of who she would eventually be because it's obvious she has the capability and that could have lent a little bit more uh, credence to Sora coming back if she... if uh, They could also introduce nobodies right there and, you know, just reunite his body and his heart. But anyway... That, I think that would be a little too much, probably. Well, and, and to be fair, <laughs> the idea of the Keyblade wielder killing the Heartless is that he releases the heart so that they can go back and reconstitute themselves. But that's not what happens. He he hugs the girl and yeah. suddenly reconstitutes right there, <laughs> which is weird. Like, apparently she grabbed him so tightly that it killed him. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> which, honestly, considering how weak those little minor shadows are, I mean, believable. I can yeah. see that. 
But other than that, I think no, I mean, I think I think those are the most glaring uh faults of the story. It's just it's a little too shallow. And I think just using some expansion in the Disney worlds would do a lot because I think the beginning is really good. The whole island section I think is really great. Uh, and the entire from the first time you step foot in Hollow Bastion to the end of the, end of the game, I think is great. Other than the revisit to Traverse Town, which I think is kind of unnecessary. But yeah, you know, the the other thing that I think, and and I just thought of this now, that is disappointing about the first game that could be improved, is this is the only game uh, where there is any interaction between worlds. Uh, in the idea of people in the world interacting with each other, specifically this evil cabal of villains. And it is incredibly disappointing that in spite of them working together and having these these plans and everything, they still only show up in their own worlds. And in those worlds, there is zero indication that the, what they're trying to do has anything to do with a greater plan. Like, that is very sad and if they could go back and redo the game and make it so, like, every now and again there's two villains in a world or one of the villains is, like, not the one that you were expecting, mind-blowing moments right there. That would be so amazing. And it's really sad that that never happens. And it's even sadder that after this first game, it's not really possible anymore because the worlds no longer have any interactions with each other aside from you. You being the interaction between the different worlds. You're right. How, I mean, how fun would it be to have a Kingdom Hearts game where not only are you going through Disney worlds, but the Disney worlds are like completely shuffled. Like certain elements are just totally out of place because they're all, I don't know, getting mixed up somehow. Or like you said, the villains are just working together and they're kind of like figuring out, oh, you're a, probably a better match for this person. You know, Hook. Is like I think, I think afraid we need to talk about this after we finish our analysis of all the games because Fair I think enough. it's better Fair to enough. talk about this at the uh, as kind of a a series wide issue than just the, the first game. Anyway, yeah. let's put, put that on the back burner. Yeah, let's we'll talk about the gameplay before we run out of time. Sure. Um, so genre of Kingdom Hearts one, I think it's a pretty cut and dry action RPG with a heavy in. Um, sorry, heavy emphasis on the RPG elements. But I think that the action um, suffers because of it. And also just at at the time it was created, um, the team that was working on it maybe didn't have quite the same chops that they have now, uh, one thing or another. The, The action portion of the game has some significant issues. But it is an action RPG. Well, I think one of the biggest things that you pointed out to me, I had no idea this even existed until this playthrough, which is the Keyblade stats. The Keyblades are very RPG because not only do they have strength and magic stats, they also have other stats. They have reach, they have repost, which is after you guard or take damage, how quickly you recover, or after you finish a combo, how quickly you can do another combo. Um, and those things are super important. Like if you have a really crappy repost, uh, you're kind of screwed. You, it is really easy to get stun locked and it's really hard to land more than one combo on an enemy. Whereas if you have a really good repost, you block and you can immediately launch into a combo. Um, but there is absolutely nothing to tell you that that's not even, it's not even mentioned in the item description. Like the reach is, um, And you just kind of have to experiment with it to find out. And I think most people, myself especially, I wouldn't even notice a difference if I weren't looking for it. If I didn't know that that was a uh, mechanic that existed, I would not ever be on the lookout for it. I would not know that there was a difference. uh, And I wouldn't be prioritizing that, even though it's actually really important. And that's a very... Especially depending on your gameplay. And we play with a heavy attack focus. Uh, just using magic to supplement. So we literally used quote-unquote worse Keyblades at certain points because their repost was so much better than other Keyblades. It did not make sense to to switch it out. Yeah, they were weaker in the strength stat, but they did way better DPS because we could launch into combos one after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, and that's one of those things, like, that's a super RPG thing, you know? That is something I would expect to see in in a Final Fantasy if it had this kind of gameplay. 
but I would also expect to be able to see it. <laughs> I would expect to know what that stat is. And so the uh, concept of simplification that I uh, believe is is um, present in a lot of action RPGs, they went with that kind of simplification of the process and and simplification of the visuals and things you had to think about without actually simplifying the mechanic itself. They just didn't tell you certain things that yeah, are think, important to know. I think moving on to our next point, the the real issue is that this suffers from an oversimplification of shown mechanics mm-hmm. uh, with an underdeveloped action aspect. So it looks like a game that is all about the action, but it's actually all about the stats and utilizing them to their max. Uh, but it's not communicated to you well enough to understand that. And that's why so many people, uh, at least in my experience, didn't use a lot of the magic in the game, specifically talking about Arrow. And it's because they didn't know what it did. They're like, why would I waste two magic points on this? That's a lot of magic points. And it's like, well, it reduces how much damage you take by a lot, and it can do damage to the enemy you are currently attacking. That's a that's a really good boon to have, especially if you happen to be low level or you're focusing on attacks and whatnot. Um, so it's unfortunate that that happened, uh, but it's great that in the future games that has been fixed, for the most part at least. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the other uh, mechanics in the game. One big one is, of course, the gummy ship stuff. Oh, gosh. We are not a big fan of the gummy ship stuff. I'm pretty confident that no one is in this first game because it's incredibly boring. Uh, There is very little that you can do to improve the gummy ship. Um, It's not really fun to get gummy ship components, and there are tons of them in chests that you get all the time. It's like, how do you improve the gummy ship stuff? Uh, Play Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> in Kingdom Hearts One, the best way to get rid of the gu- the best way to improve the gummy ship components is to remove them, which they knew because they gave you the ability to just warp to places pretty quick. Um, yeah, I just we we did do some gummy um, optimization, but not because we wanted to be more powerful or make it like more fun. We just wanted to get through it faster, so we added some boosts and a whole bunch of guns to just hold down the boost button. And hold down the gun button and get it over with. And it worked out pretty well. Yes, it did. Uh, I will say that comparing this game's mechanics um, to other games at the time, it was pretty advanced. Uh, This came out relatively early in the PlayStation life cycle. Uh, Devil May Cry was another action game um, that was released around this time. And comparing the two, you can't really compare the two that much because they're very different genres. But when you compare the combo system of Devil May Cry, which it kind of touts as being its thing, versus Kingdom Hearts, it's obvious that Kingdom Hearts had a lot going for it. You know, it had a lot of speed and fluidity, even though it was very early in this generation. Um, So at the time, it it was pretty advanced, and these issues that we run into now are mostly because modern games that we deal with are so much better uh it's 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 incomparable uh and it's just not great going back to it yeah looking at it definitely especially compared to its uh successors it pretty clearly shows its age um as for improvements to the system i i don't i just i think pretty much the things that are added in subsequent games do fix a lot of these problems. The gummy ship is super overhauled and just made faster, more fun, not nearly as tedious, uh, better music, way better music, much better music. Um, the reaction command system that obviously does exist to a certain extent in final mix, but is really capitalized on in game hearts two is, is great. And Oh, one thing it's kind of a nitpick, not going to lie, but the, uh, quick magic system, not only is most of the magic overhauled and made better in later games, uh, like Fire, useless in this game, Blizzard, basically useless in this game, Thunder, almost always useless in this game, unless Donald's the one using it. Um, not only the, the, all the spells are made better, but also the, the quick menu, where you hold L1, um, in this game, you only can attach spells or items to Triangle, Square, and Cross, 
because they reserved circle for you to be able to still jump while using the menu. And in future games, they realized, I'd rather just have the fourth one. I'd, I'd rather just jump beforehand, hit L1, and then hit it again in the air than uh, not have that extra men- that, that extra selection on the menu, uh, which is nice. Yeah, I'd say that pretty much all the improvements that could be made were made in the second game. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we could go back in time and tweak it just a little bit to, to help it age better, um, I would make it so that your ground moves, especially the first uh, move of your combo, happens much faster, um, almost instantaneously, at least twice as fast as it does now. Um, and the, a little bit of tracking would be better, specifically with what you automatically target. Uh, would be good because the automatic targeting stuff is abysmal in this game. Like lock onto chests. I'm like, why would you think I want that? I'm fighting things. Uh, And the other thing is I would probably... uh, uh, The only other thing is I would show all the hidden stats to the player in a very obvious way just so that you are an informed player. Uh, And I know that certain games like to keep things hidden, um... And you can only tell the difference when you're actually utilizing it and paying attention. But I think specifically with this being kind of a game geared towards children, you should be much more blatant and obvious with it. Uh, And also when you're showing so many stats, it doesn't make sense for you to think maybe some of them aren't shown to me. Uh, So it's, it's a very one of those things where you need to inform the player of what to expect. You have informed us that we are to expect everything that we need to care about is shown, and that is not true. Yeah. Uh, so final little things before we get to our conclusion, let's talk about some of the side content. Um, so some of the things that you can do outside of the main quest uh, is, of course, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, there's a couple of little mini games you can do in there. They're all really weird. Yeah, they're not very good. Uh, they're not great. Like, I remember them being better, but I think I just remember the Kingdom Hearts 2 ones, which are... <laughs> Really fun. Well, the problem in this one is that they don't work particularly well, and some of them are hard to see. Luckily, they're not tied to anything significant, um, and it's easy enough to kind of get through them eventually to complete the book. So not egregious, and it's nice that you kind of have this nice Winnie the Pooh um, thing that has nothing to do with combat. It's nice to be able to take breaks like that. The other side content, the biggest thing is the gummy ship. Sucks. Not really side content since you can, like, you have to play it for the main. But there's gummy missions and whatnot that you can do. Pointless. I can't imagine why anyone would choose to do that. Uh, The only additional content aside from that, which you can consider side content, would be uh, the super bosses at the end of the game because there's nothing required um, to of doing those to complete the game. Yeah, there are, what, four Sephiroth Sand Giant? Or so, is that... so it depends on... The version, uh, yeah. What, what you, it depends on the version. It also depends on who you would consider a super boss. Mm. Um, Ice Titan, I would consider a super boss. Sephiroth, oh, yeah. everyone considers a super boss. Mm. Kurt Ziza is a super boss. There's the Phantom uh, uh, at the Clock Tower. Yeah. That is a super boss. And then in the Final Mix version, there's the Cloaked or Hooded Figure uh, in Hollow Bastion that you fight where you fought Dragon Maleficent. Yeah. Um, so those five characters, um, they each fare differently in how much fun they are to fight and how how much they contribute to the game. If you want to fight them, I think one of the things, you you uh, probably won't be able to fight them at the level you're at at the end of the game. Uh, so you have to be okay with some grinding if you're going to uh, pursue fighting the final the the super bosses, which is true in all of the Kingdom Hearts games with super bosses, you... which is generally what you would expect from a super boss. That's yeah. that's why they're hard is to give you something to shoot for when you get to the top, highest level. Um, the Ice Titan is a relatively good addition. Uh, I don't love his fight, but once you figure out how to do it and you're a high enough level, it it works. Um, the Sephiroth fight is unfair. It's not meant to be fair. Uh, and I mean, it's always cool to kill Sephiroth, but especially with younger kids that are going to be playing this game, there's no way nope. in hell not gonna they're going to beat mm-hmm. him. No. Um, 
Kurt Ziza is interesting. He's one of the more fair super bosses, and I really like fighting him. Um, but you have to know what you're doing to beat him. Phantom, super boring, and it has a time limit, which I never find enjoyable. Um, but specifically, the way that you fight him, I just find to be super annoying. I think uh, one of the worst things about that one is that you are in Neverland at the clock tower. You have to fight him flying, which automatically disables a solid few of your abilities. The uh, majority of your abilities, honestly. Which is super lame. Uh, can't do any ground combo stuff, any ground finishers. You can't defend. You can't, can't roll. roll. Yep. Yeah, not great. Uh, and then the final one is the hooded figure or the cloaked figure. I forget exactly what he's called. Uh, I have never actually fought him. I have heard, though, that he is not balanced very well. Uh, and and he is close to the difficulty of Sephiroth, if not harder, uh, which not great. Uh, I would say that in this game, most of the super bosses are there for people who just want to show off how good they are at the game or prove something as opposed to really being fun conquests. Uh, the only other side content that I can think of is the synthesis quests from the Moogle shop. Um, and this one's very hit or miss for me because the stuff that you can get out of synthesis is really great, especially the Ultima weapon. But what you have to do to get the items you need to synthesize uh, very esoteric. Like, there are specific rooms in specific worlds that you have to go to to deal with mushrooms. These mushrooms all have specific requirements that you have to fulfill uh, in the room to make them happy. One of them you have to juggle in the air. One of them you have to cast the correct spells on. Um, I believe there's one other one that you have to, like, use an item on. I'm not sure about that. And in the different worlds they're in and in the different rooms, they give you different items. And you have to do it enough times to get everything you need to actually synthesize everything. Fun times. It's <laughs> like if you don't have a guide to follow, I cannot fathom how you would ever find this stuff out. You'd have to search every nook and cranny over and over and over again, uh, which is not fun. Nope. Uh, and following a guide is fine but it's still difficult to do the things that are required. So I'm going to say that the synthesis specifically in this game uh, is kind of a pain in the butt more so than it is fun added content. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So I like the side content to a certain extent in this game. Uh, it does flesh it out quite a bit and give you a lot more to do. But I would say that the overall quality of said side content is relatively low. Yeah. So... That is our that is our overview of the game and kind of our detailed analysis of the game, the things we liked, things we didn't like, and how we changed some of the things we didn't like to be better. So in the end, what is it that made Kingdom Hearts so special? And uh, is it actually as special as we tend to think it is? I'd say yeah, totally. I It is, and especially this first one, like I've said throughout this podcast, it was experimental to the max. This idea of... Squaresoft and Disney coming together to make this Final Fantasy, Disney, and unique mishmash of, of stuff. Yeah, it had problems. Yeah, it's not perfect. Um, we've talked about a lot of imperfect things about the game over the last hour. But it is special, and it was, it was special when it came out. It continues to be special, and it is a really fun game that still holds up nearly 20 years later surprisingly well. Yeah, I'd say that from a mechanical perspective, there's not much that is particularly special about this game. It is unique, but there's nothing in it that makes it stand out mechanically from everything else. Story-wise, though, it has a lot going for it. It was obviously reaching for making things much bigger uh, than they could show in a single game. There was all this Disney content that, you know, unfathomable to children of the time of being like, you mean that there's not just a Disney game, there's the Disney game with all these Disney characters? And not only that, but it got wrapped up with this very interesting story developed by Square Enix. Like, it's not something that anyone ever thought would happen, and it just kind of fell together. And it spawned one of the most interesting, intriguing series, and depending on who you ask, one of the best series of video gaming to date. 
Um, and this is a solid foundation for that series to build on. Uh, so I think that even if you took away the fact that it was Disney, um, even if everything in the game was something different, um, something that was not reliant on nostalgia or the name of Disney, it still would have been a franchise that could continue on and be intriguing just because of everything it does right in spite of what it does wrong. Yeah. Uh, with all that said, that is our view on, on Kingdom Hearts. We like it. It's good. Strongly recommend. If you haven't played it, play it. If you have played it, cool. You want to play it again? Cool. Do it. Also, don't skip the first game. I know it's got its issues, but there's one time I was at a game store. These people wanted to get into Kingdom Hearts, and they're asking the employee where they should start. And he's like, well, I mean, if you care about the story, you should start with the first one. But you should really just start with the second one. And I wanted to yell at him and be like, shut up! You don't know anything! (laughs) Half of the charm of these games is the story, at least. (laughs) Yeah, you have no idea what's going on. I I don't understand... Personally, this is probably a caveat, I don't understand why people would play games and not be interested in the story. Like, they develop these stories to be interesting, to pull you along. Why would you play it and, like, ignore that? But whatever. That's just a personal thing. (laughs) Anywho, uh, again, this is the first in our series. We're going to be playing every single Kingdom Hearts game on our stream. We are playing Chain of Memories right now. Now and we will be reviewing it. Well, technically, re Chain of Memories, re Chain of Memories to remake of the yes. original GBA. It's 3D and has voice acting, unlike the the GBA version. So, if you're interested in that, please come stop by our Twitch streams on Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and we also stream other games too. We're streaming Neo on Fridays, same time, and streaming Demon Souls on the PS5 on Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. So if you want to chat with us live, go for it there. If you're not so interested, but still want to talk to us, want to tell us what you think about Kingdom Hearts, why we're wrong about our critiques, and why, or why we're right, you know, we're, we're okay with that too. Go ahead and send us an email at reflectionsongaming at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at reflectongaming, Instagram reflectionsongaming, or our Discord server, which you can find a link to in the description of this podcast. Finally, If you like this podcast, please, please, please leave a rating. And if you really, really liked it, leave a review because it helps us grow so much. Uh, We check them every once in a while. And as we see more trickle in, it just makes us nice and fuzzy inside. And with that being said, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, We hope you really enjoyed and we'll catch you next week. Yep. This has been Reflections on Gaming and we hope you have a great week. Bye.